If you've got your Bibles, go to Psalms 23. Psalms 23 is where we're going to be. Um, I've got just a, two more weeks of, of what, we're gonna, what it looks like Christians looking different. Christians looking different in the world in which we live. And let me just say this. Having expectations rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ is going to change everything about who you are as a person. Who you are as a husband, who you are as a wife, who you are as a father, a mother, or a child. Having your expectations rooted and grounded in the person and the work of Jesus Christ will make you a different person. Amen? First Peter chapter, I know I said go to Psalms 23, but First Peter chapter 1 verses 20 through 21 says this. It tells us the following. It says, He, God, foreknew before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to Open our Bibles freely without fear of persecution. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've extended to us. That you have given us more than we can even begin to hope or imagine. God, help us just to walk in the truth of your word. Help us to stay rooted and grounded and place our hope, our expectations, our everything in who you are as our Savior and our Lord. We love you. We pray all this in your gorgeous and beautiful name. Amen. Before the foundations of the world, of this very planet that we are sitting on this morning, God was around. God was here. He had a plan. From the beginning of the world, from before the foundations of the world, God planned, had a planned out time for when Jesus would come to this world and fulfill his mission. And those who place their hope and their faith in God's gospel will have a life-altering change in their normal, I use that in air quotes, their normal lifestyle. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I don't know if you know this, but the word new in Hebrew means brand new. Okay, you didn't get that. The old has passed away and the new has come. So here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you look different. You sound different. You are to be different. And when we as a new creation start to see through the lenses, through this type of lens, our expectations about what happens in this life will be different. Our lives change. Everything changes. We are in Christ. Listen, I know that I'm not what I need to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. I know where I am not where I am supposed to be yet. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen? And that's where we are. We're, we're different than what we used to be. If you're in Christ, you are to be different. You're to be different. And today what I want to do is I, I want to talk about Uh, What it looks like to have our expectations and our hope 
rooted firmly and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. 98% of your problems in your life, 98% of all relationship, business, church, world problems are based upon expectations. And the expectations, when those expectations are not gospel-centered, not gospel-centric, um, that's when you're going to start seeing devastating consequences. In marriages, in relationships, in churches, these things can just unravel because of either unmet expectations, miscommunicated or uninformed expectations, or lastly, unrealistic expectations. And, and like I said, the bulk of the conflict of all these areas that I've talked about, whether it's your home, your marriage with your children, in business, in church, in your personal life, all of these things stem from one of those areas. Every time you have a conflict with somebody or something, the reason that takes place is because somebody had an expectation on one end and somebody didn't fulfill their end of the bargain. Every human being sets expectations in every area of our lives. But let me just give you guys a case in point. When I say the word McDonald's, when I say the word McDonald's, everyone in your minds right now, everyone's formulating an expectation of what it's going to be like. When you walk into a McDonald's, whether it's in Ark City or um, L.A., it doesn't matter if you walk into a McDonald's, you have an expectation of what it's going to taste like, what the service is going to be like. I mean, you know, like there's nobody in here walking in and when they when they bite into the Big Mac and it doesn't taste good, nobody's going, man, this is horrible. They're just like, yeah, this is what it should be. But when you walk into a, a, a McDonald's and you get a quarter pounder with cheese and you bite into it and everything is just right, it tastes good. Occasionally it happens. The world aligns just right. The, the moon and the stars, everything aligns just right. And you get that bite of that quarter pounder and you're like, wow, that, wow, that's pretty good. Right? And so your expectation was, man, it's going to be really crummy. But then it was really good and you're like, wow, this is awesome. Same if you go to a, if we went to a world famous steakhouse, dudes in Sydney, Nebraska, you sat down and you had dudes and they handed you a piece of meat that tasted like a quarter pounder cheese McDonald's hamburger, you'd be upset because when you walked in the building, you had this expectation, man, it's going to be good. That filet, it's got a bacon wrapped around it. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be phenomenal. And then you bite into it and it's not. What tends to happen? We lose our minds and our grip on reality because our expectations were improperly set and they, when, they did, when it wasn't met, everything lost its luster. And expectations can truly drive reality in most of our lives. But when we get, like here's the thing, when you and I get married, we have expectations in our minds that things should go in a, a certain way, a certain time, certain things should happen. Like I, I remember when I got married, I, I thought things were going to go a certain way. And man, within the first month, I did not realize that my wife was obsessive compulsive about towels. She wanted to have behind a closed door. She wanted curtains. She wanted towels that had tan green, tan green. And the band had to be out behind the in certain ways, but 
when you closed the door, you couldn't see him. And I thought one day, you know what? I'm going to be sweet. I'm going to be a loving husband. I'm going to fold these towels. I had an expectation in my head. I'm going to do the laundry and she's going to like it. I did not fold it the way she thought I should have folded it. The band was not properly done. And she opens the door and I hear, Caleb, what is this? I was like, I folded the towels, baby. She's like, that is not how these need to go. And like, my expectation was she was going to be like, oh, sweetheart, you're amazing. You're the best husband ever. But she didn't. It was like, wait a minute, that's not right. And you know what I did? Because her expectation was I was going to go, oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I should have done that properly. Would you teach me how this needs to be done, how you'd like it to do? That's what she thought. I just took my hand behind the towels and threw them on the floor and said, if you want to fold them, fold them yourself. Start fight. Because both of us had an expectation, right? Like that was, that was three months into marriage. Yay! This can happen in any home. This can happen in any church. This can happen in any business. This can happen in any family. Because every single human being is sinful. And we've got our own proclivities. And we've got our own rights that we want to be manifested. And the devil has a desire to separate and divide families, friends, co-workers, and church members. Man, I've seen churches split over the color of a carpet. That's dumb. Like, that's really dumb. In the schemes of eternity, in the corridors of time and eternity, whether the carpet's blue or red, I really don't care. But the enemy has a desire and he will and he can separate and divide these people, these types of people, whether they're in marriages, families, kids, parents, uh, co-workers, church members. It can all happen. And what can happen oftentimes is we have poor expectations either on, on either side of the parties and then chaos, turmoil, devastation, Anger, hurt, separation, all can take place. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants our lives to be miserable. He just does. Because when we have that happen, when relationships splinter like that and fall apart, what happens then is boys become broken men. And women become, girls become wounded women. And it's just a cycle of devastation and turmoil. And what I want to do today is I want to try to unpack the idea of finding our everlasting satisfaction in Christ alone. If you say you're a Christian, your expectations should look different. Your satisfactions should look different because Christians are to be different. Christians are to look different. And we can, by the power of God's grace and mercy, break the patterns of sinful destruction. Fellas, I just want to talk to you. I know that June is sort of kind of our month. Next month or next week is Father's Day. But man, I just want to, I want to harp on this for a minute. You are the major key in this. You're the linchpin for making your home run well. You are the tone setter of your home. I have set the tone often. Towels, that's just one story. I won't tell you about the time I threw a Christmas tree out the front door. That was a bad day too. 
That was, that was rough. I mean, the first couple, hey, can I get an amen? The first couple years of marriage is rough, amen? All right, you're just getting used to one another? I gotta focus. Notes. You, men, are the tone setter. You're the initiator, and your wife and kids are responders. If you come in, if I come in the house and I'm just angry out of my mind from work or whatever, and I slam doors and I come in, and my wife's like, hey, honey, I'm like, what? That doesn't go well for me or for the rest of the house because they respond to how I initiated. If I come in grumpy, I come in having an expectation, where's the food on the table, woman? That doesn't go well. Like, that doesn't go well. So how can we as Christians, how can we lead and how can we set proper expectations? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Psalms 23. I know I told you that in the beginning of this. That's, you know, you got 20 minutes in now. Psalms 23. And everybody, now here's the thing. When you read this text, probably some of you have um, paintings. My mom's got a sheep in her bathroom. Has this on it? You guys, everybody knows this text. Everybody knows this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, we're only going to get through three verses today. That's my, that's my prayer. It's three verses. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack this and see what it looks like to have godly expectations and godly satisfaction rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we have out of the gate is the Lord is my shepherd. That's capital L. That is not lowercase L. This is in reference to God Almighty. The Lord is my shepherd. What does this mean? It means that the Lord, God Almighty, the sovereign triune king of the universe, is where I, where we are to land when it comes to setting our expectations in his work for us. Our hope needs to be securely fastened into God Almighty. He is to be our everlasting shepherd who watches over and guards and protects and satisfies us. There are so many images of who God is in throughout the Psalms that this is just one. Shepherd is a picture of who God is. What does a shepherd do? Farmers, those that have sheep, what, we make sure that we take the shepherd protects. He tries to guide sheep. And listen, I know that the Bible calls us sheep. Don't take that as a compliment. Sheep are not geniuses. And if you get human beings in a group together, they're not geniuses either. Amen? Don't take all oh, poor sheep. Yeah, that's not a compliment. But here's what is a compliment. That the shepherd takes care of his sheep. The shepherd does what is needed to guide and protect and lead his sheep. He is our everlasting shepherd who watches over, guards, and protects us and, protects us and satisfies us. This is just one picture of who God is in the Psalms. Other pictures are he's a shield. Think about what a shield is. He's a rock upon which to stand, a firm rock of foundation. He's a king. 
He's a shepherd, he's a judge, a refuge, a fortress, a vindicator, a creator, a deliverer, a healer, a protector, a provider, and a redeemer. Like those are beautiful pictures of who Jesus Christ is for you. Like this is who he is for you. He is our everything. And when we place our focus, when we place our expectations on things that are eternal, when we focus on Christ and things that are eternal, what tends to happen is our reality changes. The way we view reality changes. James chapter, now listen to this. James chapter four, verse 14 says this. Yet you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for just a little bit and then it vanishes. It just vanishes. Like you're here for just, in the, in the terms of eternity, you're here for just like, if, you, if I took a spray to a bottle and I sprayed that out into the congregation, you'd see it for a second. The light would hit it just right. You might even see a little bit of rainbow in there. It might be pretty, but it's gone in a moment. And Jesus Christ is to be our everything. And what we tend to do is we sit so focused, we get really laser focused on this place right now. He is to be our focus. He is to be our satisfaction. And we're to focus on things that are eternal in nature, not temporal. Because here's the thing, none of us in this room, none of us in this room are promised the next five seconds. Amen? Like we're just not. And when you start to see your life through these lenses, the issues of this life that we can put so much weight into tend to lose their importance and they don't seem as big. The things that you and I get angry over, like let me just tell you, the anger in and of itself is not a sin. To be angry is not a sin. Now, if you have anger over things that are unbiblical, that's a sin. Here's the thing. 99.99999% of the things you and I get angry about don't matter. The fights that you have don't matter. But when you start to see your life through a temporary lens that you're here for just a little while... Things that seemed big before really are not that big. But here's the thing. Honestly, most of us do not think this way. We're so focused on trying to make this life the best that it can be that we tend to forget that we are to pursue Christ and find our fulfillment in him. And we ignore what comes next. We're so focused with Right here, right now, I've got to get focused. I've got to know what is happening right here, right now. And I don't see the long view. I don't, I don't see what's coming next. I don't think about what's coming next. And sometimes what can happen is our pursuit of the American dream can derail the kingdom mindset that we're supposed to have. The pursuit of the, the American dream can sometimes derail, can sometimes derail... Kingdom mindsets in our lives. Sometimes we get so busy trying to build the American dream that we forget that we're supposed to be doing kingdom work. Man, I'd love to go evangelize. I'd love to go out to um, 
the, the abortion mills and protest the murder of babies. But man, I got to work on my house. Got to mow my yard. I'd love to evangelize more, but I'm busy. I'd love to study the scriptures more, but man, I'm busy hustling and grinding. I'd love to pour into my family more and have family worship. But man, at the end of the day, I'm tired. I'm tired. I used this illustration in Sunday school last week. And I did not come up with it. I heard it as an illustration. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I heard it as an illustration on TikTok. But it was good. When you go to a hotel, do you pack your entire house up? I know as a, as a parent of a small child, yes, you feel that way. Aaron and Kelsey are going to go to Texas for, what, a week? Aaron's not thinking to himself, you know what, Kels, we need to get the refrigerator. Can you pack the stove, sweetheart? Listen, the washer and dryer, I need to pack that as well. I need, um, let's see, can you get the beds and the kids' beds all packed up in the back of the pickup? If they were doing that, we'd think, man, Aaron and Kelsey are crazy. You, when you pack up for a trip, what do you take with you? You take, a, you take a suitcase with some minimal things. You might take an overnight bag with some minimal things. You don't take, a, you don't take your entire house. Why? Why? You don't need it. You're only there for how long? You're there for just a couple days. You're not there for very long. You're there for just a few moments. And then you're going to be back to your regular house. So you don't pack up everything. But man, some of you in the room are packing up everything. You've got your focus so much on this life. You're packing everything into that hotel room thinking that it's going to satisfy you. You're the man. I've got to, get, I've got to figure out how to pack up my entire house. And get it into this little tiny hotel room. Just, i got to go. And if we're honest about life... Sometimes we're investing everything into the here and the now. And we're thinking about where we need to find our satisfaction. And we're focused on achieving and getting the best out of life right now. That we neglect to see what our forever home really is. And some of you are in here are in a hotel and you've packed your entire life into that tiny little room. And you think, this is it. This is my, yes, this is it. This is going to be it. I've reached the, the apex. I'm there. I've made it. This will satisfy me. This will make me happy. If I could just get here, that'll make me happy. And then once you achieve that thing that you think is going to make you satisfied, you set your expectation on that. That's going to satisfy me. And then you realize it doesn't. And instead of going, you know what? I need to find Christ as my all in all. I need to repent of my sins. I need to find Christ as my all in all. What we do is we say, you know what? There's a hotel down the street. That looked better. That one across town, that hotel across the town, that has a newer setup. It's got a pool. That's what I need. And we run to that. We run to that. Some of you are in this hotel room trying to focus everything and trying to find satisfaction. Let me tell you, it's not going to happen. Your focus and foundation has got to be on Jesus Christ alone. And sadly, most people sitting in church in America today, all over, are not really focused on Jesus. They're sitting and thinking about what they're going to do for lunch. Like right now, some of you are like, man, what are we going to do for lunch? Like you're not focused in on the word. You're like, man, what are we going to eat? Some of you think, man, what are we going to do next week? Man, work starts next week. What am I going to do tomorrow morning? 
Some of you think, man, my kids' ball games this, this week, I got to get far. We got to get in there. We got to think about that. You're, there are people sitting in rooms just like that. That's what they're focused on. They're focused on thinking about their life here. They're sitting there thinking, man, work, sports, playing games, washing a car, fixing the house. And Jesus Christ is the last thing on those people's minds. All churches for most people in America is just a box to be checked. And by noon, if we're not done, by golly, I may not come back next week. Because, man, I need a week off. Pastor went over 10 minutes. I need off next week. I I talked about this a little bit in my weekly podcast this last week. I said, what we do in places like this matter. What we do here in church matters. What we address, what we do, what we sing, what we fellowship around, it will matter in 10,000 years. And sadly, many do not see Christ as the solid foundation upon which to stand. They don't take, a ch- they don't take their church membership seriously. It's just sort of kind of something they do. We, we don't. We don't look at Jesus as the shepherd who guides us and loves us and protects us. We look at Jesus as the do better pill. I, mean, I got I to gotta get in church and do better. I, gotta, I need to do better. No, you don't need to do better. You need to die to yourself. You need to come alive to Christ. You can never do better. None of you in the room will ever do better. It's Christ that brings you to life. It's Christ alone that will bring you to life. And sadly, most people look at Christ as just the thing to get us the stepping stool to get us to the next phase of life. Let me get to the next level. Let me go hard. And a bulk of people do not see their church membership as important. They don't see Christ as important. They just see it as another thing to check off on their boxes of things to do. Why are you here? Well, I've been going here since I was 10. What does Christ mean to you now? Well, nothing really. If we're honest, most of us don't see Christ as everything. He's just sort of kind of something we do. We don't look at it as important to be here. Man, we drop our kids off early and then say, hey, I'll try to get here on time. And if, I, and if he goes over, by golly, I ain't coming back. But here's the thing. If you and I look at the early church and their community... The community was everything. The church was everything. Church was not something that they did if they had enough time. Church was not something that was just tacked onto the week. Everything else revolved around church and their commitment to the body of fellow believers. Why? Because they understood the importance of what was taking place in the church. They were willing, listen, you read the text, there were people that were willing to die for the church. And in 2021, we can't even get people to show up to church. And they say they're believers. Oh, I'm a Christian. Probably not. But probably not. But we'll, uh, we'll deal with that later. Our foundation, our expectations have to be set on Christ alone. And this is when we will begin to see true, lasting transformation. Some of you are sitting around thinking, man, why is the devil 
whipping the trash out of me. Why can't I overcome my sin? Why can't I, why can't I be different? Because you do not see Jesus as supremely wonderful and beautiful. You see him as a do-better pill. And when you start to love Jesus more, you'll love your sin less. And when we set unhealthy, listen, when we set unhealthy expectations that are not founded on gospel-centered principles or worldviews, what will happen is you're going to have problems. My wife was worried because she saw this graph or this, this earlier. She's like, what are you going to do? Here's what we tend to do. Here's the, here's the pattern of life for a lot of different people in the world. Not a perfect circle, I know. We set expectations. Here's the expectation set. And it's not founded in anything that is gospel-centered. It's founded on, man, what I want, what, I, what makes me happy. I want to be happy in my life. So because I've set this expectation, I want to be happy. Well, you set the expectation that's not founded in Christ whatsoever, then that expectation does not get met. It, it doesn't get met. And then as a result of that expectation not getting met, what tends to happen next is that you're going to get frustration. You're going to get so mad. And you're, you're just going to be angry and frustrated and that frustration will boil over and then what will happen is it will move from frustration and then it's going to move to anger. And because then I didn't get what I think I was owed. I didn't get what I think I deserved. I didn't get that. So we, we become angry and we become just enraged and we don't deal with it. And we just become so angry and just, oh, it's always just gnawing at us. And then what happens next is that anger moves into the next phase of life and you get, you become bitter and you just become this, it just becomes bitter and angry. You just, oh, you think, man, I, I hate life. I hate people. I hate everything. Oh, I hate it. Why? What happened? Way back up here, you set an expectation that wasn't founded in Christ. It was founded in you. And so what happens is you set this expectation of what is, what's going to happen in my marriage. What's going to happen in my church membership. They didn't coddle me. They didn't love me. They didn't take care of me. How many people I've heard, oh, I'm leaving the church because I'm just not being fed. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. There's a time and a place for me to feed you. But man, bulk you in here. You've been feed, you should have feed, you've been, you should have been feeding yourself for decades. It's not the pastor's job to spoon feed you all the time. Now, if I got a baby, yeah, absolutely. But some of you have been in here for 50, 60 years. Quit it. So we set these expectations that are unbiblical. And we become bitter and angry. Man, we got churches. Man, some of the meanest, crankiest people you'll ever meet say they love Jesus. Bitterness is just... They fight in their families and they hate one another. They say they're Christians. You're probably not. You're probably not. Because a Christian is going to, you'll see here in a minute, what that's going to look like. But then what happens as a result of having a bitterness creep up inside you, it's going to lead to a lifestyle of unrighteousness. You've got to have a lifestyle of unrighteousness. And it's just going to be this, just a cesspool of disgustingness. And you're just going to be cranky and no one, I mean, they're going to see you come, people, people see you and they're going to be like, oh, here comes Caleb. 
Did he see me? I hope not. And so we've got this. And what happens is we, it just becomes a pattern of life. We set an expectation and that, that didn't work. So we're like, okay, I'll set the next one. And who's it founded and grounded in? Me, not Christ. It's founded in me. And then the expectation is not met the way we think it should be met. And then we become angry at our spouse. We become angry at our friends. We become angry at whatever. Why? Because the expectation that I was all about me, it didn't happen. And you become bitter. And all of a sudden you have this whole lifestyle of unrighteousness and sin just runs in the camp. You need to repent and believe and be saved. Period. And when we find our satisfaction in Christ, our expectations are going to be healthy. When we see him as the end all be all. That our eternity is rooted and grounded in him. We'll look at the world and we'll it's going to be a take it or leave it with the world. We're like, yeah, if I get it, that's cool. But if I don't. OK, for me to live as Christ to die is gain. And so we've got this idea that says, the Lord, that's just, I'm, this is just the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Everything else is going to lose its luster. Everything else is going to fall apart. That trophy you got for going to state is going to be in someone's landfill someday. Your car is eventually going to be worthless and depreciated in value to where it's going to be in somebody's junk pile at some point. Your house, somebody else is going to live in your house eventually. My house was built in 1974, I think. I'm the third person to live there. Somebody poured a ton of time. Guess what? Someone eventually is going to live in my house. Are you investing? You know, because here's the thing. What's going to be worth some value in a thousand years? Your soul. Your soul is going to be worth something in a thousand years. Are you investing in your soul? Are you training yourself for godliness now? Because it will matter. And so when Christ is our shepherd, the next phase comes into play. When the Lord is my foundational shepherd, I shall not want. When we find our satisfaction in Christ alone, our expectations will be healthy. And when we see him as the end all be all and that our eternity is rooted and grounded to him, wanting the stuff of this world really will not even register on our radars. We'll take it or leave it. And when you look at what happens in when Christ becomes the foundation of our lives, the next two verses come into play. Look at this in verse two and three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. So he makes me lie down in green pastures, still waters. Look at all the beautiful things. Think about those those pictures. Lying down next to a, a cool mountain stream. Man, everybody would love that. Get a hammock up and just lay next to that mountain stream. Golly, yes. He, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I mean, you've been out in a perfectly just awesome field. I know in Oklahoma and in Kansas you can get ticks. But, you know, there's going to be a point where that's, I mean, being outside. We were at the 
lake last night for a little bit with my in-laws and just sitting outside looking at the lake, looking at the beauty of creation. That was nice. I enjoyed that. People do that for recreation. The idea here is that God says, listen, you find your fulfillment in me. It's going to be amazing. You set your expectation and your hope in me and it's going to be fantastic. Everything is going to look different for you. He makes you lie down. All of these pictures are of peace and satisfaction. Every one of those pictures you see is of peace, lasting peace and satisfaction. And and here's what happens when we place our. So we've got this is the graph of a lifestyle of unrighteousness, setting our expectations in who? Me. When it's all about me, this is the lifestyle you're going to live. You're going to set expectations that are just crummy. You're going to get mad when they're not met. You're going to become angry. And then you're going to be bitter. And you're going to have a lifestyle of unrighteousness. So that's the graph of setting your expectations in you. There's another one there in the text. And you can see that. I'll change colors for this one. Look at what happens when we set our expectations in the person of Christ. When Christ is our expectation, here's the beauty of what happens. When Christ comes in and we set our expectations on him, he's our focus, he's our hope. Here's what happens. He comes in, he redeems, and he restores your soul. So Christ comes in and completes you. He restores you. He restores your soul. The text just says that what? He leads me in paths of righteousness. He what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness. So as a result of my soul being restored, there's going to be a lasting joy that, is, that comes about. Joy is based upon the person and the work of Christ, not your circumstances. So joy comes in when you put your hope and your focus on Christ. He restores your soul. As a result of your soul being restored, there's joy that comes in your life. And as a result of joy coming in to your life, what will happen as a result of that is there's this everlasting fulfillment that comes in. You're fulfilled in Him. You're fulfilled in Jesus. And when you're fulfilled in Jesus, what comes is there's this everlasting peace and there's this everlasting satisfaction of knowing who Christ is and what he's done on your behalf. And there's this beautiful picture of peace. And as a result of that coming about, what happens is you have a lifestyle of righteousness that comes about. How do we know? What's the text say? There's a lifestyle he leads when Christ is the foundational expectation you live in. He leads you in paths of righteousness. Why does he do it? For his name's sake. Christ is in the process of restoring what has been stolen from his kids. He is in the process of restoring what has been stolen from so many of us in this room. With his work on the Christ on, on the cross, Christ restores so much that has been stolen. He brings us so much 
more lasting redemption than you can even begin to comprehend. And why does he do it? What's the word say? For his name's sake. So that Jesus Christ would receive every ounce of the glory because he deserves every ounce of the glory. All glory goes directly to the name of Jesus. Every ounce of it goes to Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who has done everything. He's the one who set everything right. He's the one who came and bought us back. He's the one who sought you out. You didn't seek him out. You weren't sitting there going, you know what? I think I need Jesus today. Man, the Bible says you're children of wrath according to Ephesians chapter 2. You're children of wrath. Jesus is the one who came back and said, hey, hey, Caleb. Hey, fella, wake up. It's me. I'm here to get you. You're mine now. Come on. He's the one who's called you into this. And here's the brutal truth. When you're not, listen to this. When you are not satisfied with Christ and you try to find something else to make you satisfied, you look for other things to bring satisfaction, you're telling God that he's a liar, number one, and that he is not good enough and, and not enough for you. You need something else to fill you up. And if you are doing this, you need to repent and you need to find your hope and your satisfaction in Jesus Christ alone. You need to move from living a lifestyle that is set all about you, living for you. You need to move from the mindset of me. I want me to be satisfied. I want my expectations filled. It's my what? You know what? Woman, you're to satisfy me. And if she has the expectation, man, you're the one that's supposed to satisfy me. You know what's going to happen in our marriage? That. And it's going to be a repetitive, ridiculous cycle that's going to destroy us both. But if you move into, and this, and this goes for everything, your church, like church members, people who are in here, if you're, my, the, church needs to, the church is here to make sure I'm okay. The church is here to coddle me. No, that's not the design of the church whatsoever. The church is not here to, oh, little Caleb, it's okay. Let me coddle your feelings. It's okay, little fella. That's not the point of the church. The church is here to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you move from saying, man, I want my church to glorify Jesus. I don't care if I even, I don't care about me. And you move from me to Christ, then your lifestyle is going to change. You're going to move from having a lifestyle of unrighteousness to a lifestyle of righteousness. If you're living in this pattern, you need to repent and give your heart to Christ. And if you're living in this pattern, and just enjoy. Enjoy the satisfaction and the peace. Enjoy it. Because it's, it's, it's fantastic. We'll get to the next part next week. Verse. We'll start there next week. I just, I just want us to take a few minutes just to, to reflect on who God is and what he's done in our lives. And. And if you're, if you're here today and you say, man, I, Caleb, I, I haven't put my focus on Christ the way I should. I haven't lived the way I should. I, I, man, I, that's me. I'm all about me. I'm all about me being satisfied. Man, you need to repent of your sins and be saved. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, here's the beautiful thing. There's, you can't out-sin the grace of God. Here's what, you can, here's what I can tell you. 
that if you confess your sins, man, if you say, man, I've, I've put so much onus on this life, I've put so much focus on this life, God, I need to change. He's the one that can change you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your sins. Every last ounce he'll forgive you of. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to take a few minutes and I'm going to have Aaron come up and uh, we're just going to, I'm going to have him play whatever he wants. And I just want us to take a few minutes just to, to pray. I mean, if you're here and you need, to ha- you need me to pray with you, man, I'd love to do that. You need me to share the gospel with you. You need to repent and give your life to Christ. Man, I'm here. We'll do it. Don't let the world bully you into this idea that you don't need to repent and believe. The enemy wants so badly for some of you just to ignore this message and oh, just, just focus on your game this afternoon. Focus on lunch. Focus on work. Don't focus on Jesus because he knows Jesus is going to save you and transform you and snatch you out of the clutches of hell and redeem you. All you got to do is give up. Just give up. Come and surrender your life at the foot of the cross and Jesus will save you. He'll redeem you. He'll transform you. He'll change your life. How do I know? Because he's done it in my life. He'll change your affections. Am I perfect yet? No. Do I struggle? Sure. And guess what? Every one of us is going to struggle. Till the day our hearts stop beating, we will struggle. But Christ makes the struggle a little less struggly. I don't know if that's a word. But that's my hope for us today is that we'd find him to be satisfying and beautiful and perfect in everything. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather here and to worship. Father, as we sing, as we stand here, as Aaron leads us, Father, I pray that there would be a time for us just to get alone with you and we would repent and we would believe and trust you above all else. God, help us in these moments. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand up.